Today on Locked On Red Wings, Detroit signed Robert Hag. What that means for the rest of the defensive core after the Mark Pissick injury, as well as the Griffins and Detroit extending their uh, affiliation agreement. And finally, in lieu of the Pistons bringing back their teal uniforms, what Red Wings uniforms do you want to see return? Locked on Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I am a podcast producer for WWJ News Radio. Well, Scotty is the host at Locked On Tigers as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. And Scotty, um, to just to lead things off with, just to dive right into it, I guess, the Detroit Red Wings the other night signed Robert Hag, a left-handed defenseman to an $800,000 one-year contract. And when this initially happened, I was like, why did they sign an extra defenseman? I mean, guess more competition and competition for roster spots isn't necessarily a bad thing, but why? And then we found out why, like what, 20 minutes, 30 minutes later, it was not that long after. Um, turns out Mark Pissick had to have surgery to repair his Achilles tendon, and he's going to be out four to six months. And that sucks because I liked that Mark Pissick signing. I think it was, you know, uh, not like a huge signing, obviously, but he was a good depth defenseman. We saw his metrics, you know, defend, he was a good defensive defenseman, you know, at a third pairing role. And we're going to unfortunately lose that. And so they made the remove to sign Robert Hag. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say Robert Hag, some kind of big move, but it, you know, it is still a signing even at $800,000 a year. And he will serve as a, a depth piece for this roster. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, this is, uh, I can't imagine that the Red Wings were like super in the dark about this whole thing, you know, upon signing him. But uh, we talked about this when we did like the roster breakdown post free agency. We were like, when was the last time a, a team was ever 100% healthy? Never. Yeah. So, like, the, the, Oh, you know, they, they have too many of whatever, uh, whatever group you want to point to. Oh, that, you know, they're really deep this year. Yeah, they're deep until they're not. That's how depth works, right? Like you're, you're deep until you're not deep. You're deep until three injuries happen. So uh, not that this is some catastrophic blow or anything, but I agree with you. I, I, I liked the move and uh, it definitely is, um, you know, it, it, you'd rather it didn't happen, but here we are. And they got another lefty D man, which is what the team's been going after for a while now. And uh, he's a Swede. So pretty on brand there, <laughs> um, you know, still in his late twenties, mid late twenties. I think he's 27, 28. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, right now. not, you know, it's fine, fine depth signing for sure. It, you know, not, not going to have a, a huge role if everything goes according to plan and um, can definitely fill that void for, for four to six months. Yeah, it's he's not. I'm not gonna like look at this and overthink it. 11th percentile goals above replacement as overall, and then you know yeah, not well, good you offensively. Know, offensively but I'm not gonna be too worried about this kind of signing. He's a depth piece. He's a de you know I'm not gonna look at these stats and be you know oh no what did, what are they doing? It was one year eight hundred thousand dollars. It was a depth piece. So he uh, he had he, yeah he's he's not even a guarantee to 
like make get dressed every night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Make the roster period or, or be dressed on a night to night basis when, you know, the season comes around. So I mean, because uh, he did play, he did play his distribution of minutes, according to what I've seen, was pretty well spread out this last season between all three pairs, but he also played. 48 games with the Buffalo Sabres, which would explain mm-hmm. why maybe he's in, a, in an increased role he wouldn't normally be in. Yeah, his minutes, he went from 17, average 17 minutes a night uh, in Buffalo to 13 when he went to Yeah, Florida. there you go. So that's, you know, almost a almost a five-minute drop there. It's kind of crazy that this bring, takes me back to the conversation we had um, regarding, who was it, Kubelik about mm-hmm. how the fact that they're coming to a better roster, so they're going to be put in less pressure situations. It's the same way with um, with Hag here. I would not have said this at, you know, before free agency, but they've improved their defensive course so much since free agency has began. I don't expect him to have to be forced into a role like Australia and DeKaiser were, playing top pair minutes. So you know, he might have a little bit of success in the third pair if he makes the team, if he, you know, but there's not a lot to break down here. There really isn't. I mean, the real story here is like, when did Mark Pistick get injured? Because right. I, I highly doubt that the Red Wings would sign Mark Pissick knowing he's going to miss half the season on his one-year contract due to an Achilles tendon tear. It yeah, feels so, like something that had to have been recent. Right. So that that's what I said, uh, what I was trying to allude to earlier. is like I, I have a hard time believing that they were just in the dark on it. If it happened beforehand, it was either, it was either they knew about it and said, we don't we don't care we're still willing to to try this out for when you get back uh or it happened post signing or like they realized how big of a deal it was post signing i have a hard time believing that this happened before they signed it and the red wings were in the dark about it yeah and like no offense to mark pissick but you know he's not the type of player you sign regardless of an injury just cuz he's not going to be as big of an impact player as your Moritz Siders or your Lucas Raymonds or Dylan Larkins. Like if those guys were in the free agent market, yeah, maybe then you sign them despite the injury because you're banking on the fact they come back, they're going to come, come back just as good. But Mark right. Pissick isn't that caliber of player, so it had to have happened recently. But again, that's just speculation. We don't actually know. All we got was a tweet saying he'd be out four to six months with an Achilles uh, repair. But as far as Robert Hag goes, I mean, can you can you realistically see him slot into the lineup, you know, Maybe on that third pair, do you think he gets you know pushed as into a healthy scratch type of role? I think I think he's a he's a, probably a, a seventh D man if you know if if everything else uh, besides Pissick is healthy. Like I, I think that's that's probably the the role that they signed him to fill, and that's probably the role he will fill. I I think whatever whatever distribution they want to give him as far as when he's healthy and when he's not, but I, I would imagine that he will be because we've talked about a lot, you know that that third pairing on the blue line there is a one of the two there is is kind of up for grabs a little bit both of them are a little wishy-washy but especially one of them is is kind of up for grabs there and so he could just be part of the rotation you know it could just be a kind of a, a rotating thing and he'll just be part of the rotation yeah and i completely agree with you i mean you look at who's ahead of him you know, this is a player that I think Jordan Osterley would outcompete for a, a roster spot. And, you know, this isn't, you know, I'm not trying to slander Robert Hag, but I'm just trying to get across that it's it's just a depth signing. He's a seventh D-man because injuries happen. Injuries just happen, which is why he got signed. So he's there. Somebody else gets hurt. So it's going to be, you know, left defense is, you know, I won't call it deep, but you got Ben Sherratt, you got Oli Mata. You got, you got a lot of bodies. Sure. And then when Jake Wallman comes back, 
he'll be another left defenseman you can slot in there at third pair. Probably will get minutes over Osterley. So whenever he happens to come back, but I mean that's just that's just the state it is in right now. So there's it's a I won't call it a I don't know about the quality, but there's a lot of quantity of defensemen right now. For sure, for sure. Um, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts they have you covered. Head to, the bet on, head to bet online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet online, where the game starts. Segment two, Locked on Red Wings podcast. Uh, let's transition now to talking about the fact that the Red Wings and the Grand Rapids Griffins extended their affiliation for another five years. And, you know, when this news broke, I just kind of went, hmm. Yeah, no duh, because I the affiliation between these two organizations has been, you know, the epitome of what AHL NHL pipeline should look like. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it, you know, it wasn't a wasn't a shock to anybody, but it's nice to see. Still, it's a it's a nice notification to get in in the middle of your day, but uh, definitely not anything shocking. You know that that's a that's a the the direct affiliation relationship is fascinating to me in sports and and that's one of the reasons i'm so fascinated with baseball and and the nba is slowly trying to get there as well where they have a you know direct affiliate in the g league and it's it's just a a fascinating concept and and like i said the relationship between the two teams can be fascinating at times and uh, when you look at any sport besides baseball when you look at direct affiliation uh, you're not going to find too many more uh, noteworthy or healthy right yeah. relationships between uh, between uh, an affiliated team and their and their parent team than the Griffins and the Wings for sure. Yeah, I mean, you just think about they, their affiliation began in 2002. At the end of this five year extension, it's going to be 25 years of these two teams. And these that two means this year's 20. Together. Yeah, math. And, yeah, 20. Yeah, good job. Yeah. <laughs> He's a writer, but he's also a mathematician. Um, Hardly. <laughs> but my point here being is like, and a part of the reason why the Griffins are so successful is because they're very hands-on with the Griffins. I mean, the assistant general manager of the Detroit Red Wings is the general manager of the Grand Rapids Griffins, Sean Horkoff. And the Grand Rap- or the Detroit Red Wings, I mean, just go looking at the NHL.com uh, article about it, Detroit is also responsible for prov- providing Grand Rapids with its player playing roster through NHL-contracted players and AHL-only contracts and also supplies its coaching staff, equipment managers, managers, and athletic trainers. So the Griffins are not just with players, but supplied through staffing all up and down by the Detroit Red Wings, which is a really, really good thing to have if you're trying to keep that connection tight and really help the development. Like you're very hands-on with the de- in the development of the players when you do it this way. And we've seen it in this last season. All nine members of the Red Wings opening night roster were former Griffins players. Bertuzzi, Larkin, Rasmussen. Um, I'm sorry, in all nine, nine members. Not in, all nine members. Bertuzzi, Larkin, Rasmussen, Smith, Zadina, DeKaiser, Kronick, Lindstrom, and Moritz Sider all spent time 
in Grand Rapids. Some less time than others. Larkin and uh, Cider, for instance, didn't spend much time in Grand Rapids whatsoever. But a lot of these guys came from that Grand Rapids pipeline, and a lot of players over the years have come from the Grand Rapids pipeline, and it's this just proves how important not just having a successful AHL hockey team is because they weren't very good this past year. They didn't make the playoffs, but just being hands-on in the development of the players is for your own organization and also just the proximity. Not, not every NHL team is as close to their AHL farm team as the Detroit Red Wings. It's a three-hour drive, and that sounds like a lot, but it's really not in terms of what some of these other teams have to do, go through. Some of these teams' AHL affiliates are halfway across the country. So you can get Joe Valeno. We saw it this past year, Scotty. Joe Valeno got his call up and then just drove with Steve Eiserman, I think, albeit to Toronto. But my point still stands like that proximity is important that Joe Valeno hitched a ride with the general manager. They came to Detroit and drove to Toronto. Like one of the funnier storylines of the year. Yeah. Can you imagine that? Just. The, I remember. The, I remember, I remember when that that story broke, and every that was like the talk of Twitter for a couple of days. Just like all the theories about like conversations they had and stuff. Yeah, just like I. So I really want to know what Eiserman is like. Just like with the general manager. Like, I right. mean, they always say general managers are always working, but I just really want to see like if he when he's not working, what he's like. Is he always working when he's talking to fellow players? Like even like Joe Valeno is he in general manager mode then too, or is he more like you know telling stories about when he played and like. Then kind of, you know, mixing in some advice. I just don't get the vibe that Steve Eiserman talks about his playing career very often. He seems very humble. I do not get that impression. He's not one of the old boys club that you might see on uh, certain broadcasts. I just like, I, I, I don't see him as a dude that's like, like, I don't know what to talk about. So I'm just going to talk about how great I was at hockey. Like, I, I, just, I, I don't see him as, as a guy who talks about... <laughs> His playing career very often, but but back to the back back to the affiliation between the two. There is, like you said, there is such a key part of development is how you treat um, your your affiliated team or or teams, and having providing our affiliated team so much resources and providing our affiliated team with with personnel and everything like that's that's the goal and and we see time and time again that you know everybody loves to talk about draft position and you want the best draft position and obviously if you go you know and you get the number one overall pick you're, you're supposed to be getting the best player in the draft but we see countless examples and and, and evidence that how you treat your like quote-unquote minor league affiliates is significantly like almost more important to development than just like where you pick in the draft every year. Like there's so many key developmental like spots along the way between when you're drafted to when you're in the NHL. Uh, we, we, we see it time and time again. There's there's providing that team resources and, and good coaches and good personnel. Like you said, that's, that's, very, very important. And so, A, keeping them around and maintaining that relationship is obviously great just because it's it's the norm and everyone's used to it and that's awesome. But also, like, the Red Wings have put a lot of time and money into the Grand Rapids Griffin, Griffins over the last 20 years. And so that that's another reason why I'm sure that there was never a doubt that, that they were going to uh, not extend them for as long as they felt comfortable doing. Completely agree. 
We're going to take a quick break. Um, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit, a little bit more fun, a little bit more. Uh, what do they call those evergreen segments? We're going to come back and ask you guys what uh, what Red Wings uniforms you would like to see return as an alternate jersey. Segment three, Locked on Red Wings podcast. Scotty, the Detroit Pistons on Monday announced that they were bringing back the teal. And uh, I mean, that was leaked months ago, but it officially got announced. First of all, how do you feel about that? I am absolutely ecstatic. I I have never been in my life. I have never been more excited about a piece of merchandise from any of these four teams any, you know, I'm a Michigan fan. You throw Michigan in there. And there's not a single merchandise sale or, or, or article of clothing or jersey or whatever for any team that I root for, any team in this state that I've been more excited about that, than the Teal Piston jerseys. I am absolutely ecstatic. It's really funny because, and I don't want to get too far into it because we are locked on Red Wings, but it's such a mixed reception. And what I'm noticing is fans who watched that era of basketball Correct. are so vehemently against it because that era of outside of like what Grant Hill and Grant Stack Hill and House, Stackhouse. yeah, that were was hot garbage. And I, I mean, I get that, but okay, separate, but you got to separate that. Also, okay, so so you are, don't wear a Pistons jersey for the last 15 years, then because we've also been hot garbage for 15 years. Okay. So you're not going to wear any jersey we've worn in the, since 2008? Is that the plan? No, it's not, obviously. All right, let's grow up. Also, I just feel like red, white, and blue is such an overplayed color scheme in all of professional sports, especially with a team like the Pistons who have no like connection to the red, white, and blue. Like It makes sense for teams like the Rangers, both Texas and New York. It makes sense for like the Patriots. You know, It, it makes sense for teams that are themed like that, the Blue Jackets, because that's Civil, Union, Civil War-based. So it makes sense when those teams have red, white, and blue, but the Pistons, I don't see it. And it's just so overplayed. I was so pumped that they're bringing back the Teal because I love them. And it's perfect timing. I know it's just me an alternate warm for 10 games, but it's perfect timing because it allows um, for a new era to define what those jerseys mean. For sure. And and I think that there's a rule where I think it's only going to be a this year thing. I think that's like the rule it's, where it's, it's just one of those new alternates that they it do Nikki does every right, year. and and they can only have those alternates for a year, so it'll be a glorious ten games. That but, way, uh, they can make new jerseys next year and make more money. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but they're going to make so much off the deals. They're going to yeah. make so much off the deals. Um, um, but anyways, back to the Detroit Red Wings. This inspired the thought. You had this thought. Credit to you. What Red Wings jerseys? or classic looks. And there's not a lot as far as the Red Wings go because they've play, stayed pretty on track their entire I feel like this is going to be more just a conversation of us talking about if we liked or didn't like old Red Wings jerseys or not <laughs> than it is like, which one do we want to bring back? I feel like it's just wow. going to wind up talking about how good or bad we thought some of the jerseys they've worn in the past are. Well, for instance, I do like the... The not the I don't know how to quite explain it. Remember the small wing where it was a little bit disproportionate, not yeah. as clean. I like that look, and I think the colors were inverted on that one as well. It'd be kind of cool to bring that back as an alternate, but there, as far as the rest of the jersey, there's not much to change. It's still the standard. For sure. Well, it's look. also important to note. I, I forgot which website ran the the article and the results and the poll and everything, but the wing wheel got voted like the best. It was Jay uh, Fresh. Yeah. Okay. So, so there's the best logo in hockey, which 
you know, we, we have we have a fantastic logo. It has a ton of history behind it. We have great jerseys, objectively. They're sweet. Like, th- you know what I mean? Like, this is more of just the alternates because the classic home and roads that we wear, you know, 90% of the time are already so great. Yeah, I completely agree. And, I mean, I'm about, open uh, to having a third. I'm not going to lie. I've actually been sure. pro third jersey because of the fact that you only wear them so much. Not, like, reverse retro style third. because Yeah, let's talk about the reverse retros. Year. Those, Those over well. I never want to bring back because they so were neither hard. reverse and they were neither retro. They were just a gray stripe where the red stripe would be on an away jersey. So Nolan and I did an episode where I I actually I'm I'm trying to I don't even remember if I was on the episode. I was either I know I was part of Locked On Wings, but it might have just been Nolan and Ethan, and I might not have even been like on that day or something. I don't even remember, but. There was a segment at one point about like the best uses for the reverse retro jersey. <laughs> and one of them was like cut them up and make paper mache. And one of them was like, you know, like make a big scene and throw it in the dumpster outside of LCA. Like there we got like really, really crazy with it. Not definitely don't need the reverse retros back. Um the OG retros I I I like. Those ones yeah. are really nice, but the reverse retros I, I could do without for sure. And so like that brings us to, you know, another and, and different. A lot of the Red Wings alternate jerseys that they've worn have been more recent eras. The oldest of the more recent eras being the barbershop pole ones from the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Um, I used to really not like those jerseys, but they have really grown on me over time. And I would love if they brought that back as a third jersey. I think that they look pretty dang sharp. Um, just not even as like a reverse retro, just leave them as is. Leave them just like that. I think the barbershop jerseys are really cool and unique look. And I've been wanting a Red Wings third jersey for a long time. For sure. I, I, I think my favorite jersey of all time for the Wings is the Winter Classic. Which one? The Winter Classic that instead of the white, it was like cream. Yes, you're talking about 2014. It's that jersey correct. right there. Yeah. Yes, correct. Correct. Yes, that one right there. I think that is my favorite jersey in Red Wings history. Yeah, that's my like number D. two choice. I do like the 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 D on on the classic whatever one that one's called. I, well, I do like the like variation of the old English D that's not really an old English D. I, I kind of like that one too, but I think I think that that one you got hanging back there is probably my favorite of the barbershop jersey and the 2014 winter classic jerseys are definitely my two top favorites. Definitely, the, and they're more they have more of a classic look. You know, even though they never wore the 2014 winter classic jersey, historically it's designed to look more retro. Right. And I love sure. that about it. It looks so clean. I've I've always loved it from the moment I saw it. Now. After that, you get in a little bit murky water because you're talking about then the 2009 Winter Classic against Chicago, where it was just the red stripe with the yeah. D on it. The right. The, D. Yeah. The the yeah. And the D's like weird. Yeah. What's well, the it's the Cougar D, the one that the Cougars right. Have. Correct. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. in 2016, I believe it was, they played the Stadium Series against Colorado, and that one was the most out there. If yeah. you want to go out there for a third I one, I don't like the stadium. <laughs> stripe with the like, sleek D. It looks like the Dayton Flyers D. <laughs> like it does. It does. Like it has like, I don't know. I, I, I didn't. I appreciated the fact that they took a risk because we had yet to see like a huge risk on a Red Wings jersey before, but I was not a fan. 
No, I wasn't a fan either. I'm there's just there's very little to work with, unfortunately, when it comes to the Detroit Red Wings as far as um, jerseys go. But I think my number one choice would be Barbershop. Number two would be 2014 Winter Classic. 23rd, the number three would be actually. Let me throw this in here. Number three would be the alumni mm. jersey from. Sure. 2014 or 2016. It was it was the same one as the 2009 jersey, but the colors were inverted. That yeah. one looked really good. And yeah, then after that I, the I white agree. version. And then probably after that stadium series, and way, 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 way at the bottom is the reverse retro. Okay, so your your stadium series ahead of reverse retro. Oh, absolutely. That, that yeah. so at least that here's the thing. I may not have loved the stadium series jersey, but I will give it credit for trying. Yeah, I agree. The reverse they retro did not to, even to try. break a mold that had been, you know, set for almost a hundred years for sure. Um, yeah, I, I the the Winter Classic one, twenty fourteen Winter Classic. That's that's my favorite Red Wings jersey of all time. I think yeah. you didn't mention the camo. What the camo? Well, they just wear those for warm ups. I don't think you can get away with that as an alternate for ten games. Also, yeah, you so. know the Red Wings did also themselves did not like the reverse retros where they wore them for the minimum two games on back to back. Right, and then they did not wear them. Yeah, other teams that loved their reverse retros wore them multiple times, like more yeah. than you know. I think there was a maximum of like ten games or something. Yeah, like that. we you wore ours exactly games. twice, and then said, "See ya." Yeah, and we're like, okay, we got that out of the way, and they wore them on the road. Yes. They didn't even wear them at home. Yeah. They they had no absolutely zero uh zero want or will to wear those. Which I mean, good thing. They were they were not they were not nice jerseys. No, Adidas didn't even try for the one of the most historic organizations in hockey, an original six team, and they gave a white jersey with gray stripes. With a gray <laughs> just randomly had a gray stripe on the elbow and you're like all right it's like someone went to piranis and got a practice jersey and then slapped the wings logo and they're like yeah we're good we're good not a fan not great all right scotty you got any final thoughts man uh we ball we ball uh we'll be back with a new episode on friday as we're down to three episodes a week uh same time same place it's your team every day every day but i